So good to see you. I'm glad you're here. I hope that, uh, and it may have already been mentioned before, in case it hasn't, I want to mention it now. If you picked up a bulletin, which I pray that you did, in that bulletin there is an insert, an invitation to a leadership dinner event, October the 12th, 7 o'clock. We're going to have a major league dinner that night. We're going to have a brief program. We'll have a time of commitment, and everybody in this room is invited to attend. You say, well, uh, I'm not a leader. Everybody in this room is invited to attend. You say, well, I'm not even a church member. Everybody in this room is invited to attend this dinner. It's October the 12th in the fellowship hall. The only catch is we need an RSVP from you. Please, please let us know that you're coming, and please come. Uh, you'll hear more information about the capital campaign, and you may already be getting tired of hearing about all that, but I'll tell you, it's just that important to us, so bear with us a few more weeks, if you will. During that uh, dinner event, people will have an opportunity to make an early commitment to the campaign. So it's kind of going to kind of be like Celebration Monday before Celebration Sunday. And we're going to take the, the amount of the commitments from that Monday night and announce them the following Sunday as motivation for the rest of the church family. You're invited to that event. You're invited to that event, okay? Please, if you can, come. The food is free. I just won three, three quarters more people to that dinner right there. All right? I hope you will come. It was 67 years ago yesterday. Now get this, 67 years ago yesterday, a young man, a World War II soldier, who was about to be deployed to the South Pacific, his name was John, he had made arrangements to marry his sweetheart, the love of his life, and he had requested for a military leave so that he could travel to Manchester, Georgia to meet his sweetheart and get married. There was one problem. They declined his request. And so John, upon having his request declined, went AWOL. He escaped through a sewage drain, got out of the sewage drain, hitchhiked, a guy stopped, and he got in the car said, where are you going? I need to go to Manchester. He says, well, I'm going semi-close to Manchester. I'll let you out as, as close as we get to Manchester. He said, that's fine. They got going down the road to Manchester, and John told him, he says, I'm on my way to meet my wife-to-be in Manchester, Georgia. We're supposed to get married tonight at 10 o'clock at the preacher's house. And he said, really? He said, I'll just drive you all the way to Manchester. And he did. He was supposed to have gotten to Manchester at 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock, John wasn't there. At 10.05, John wasn't there. At 10.10, John wasn't there. The bride-to-be, her name was Billy, Billy Boggs, she had gotten her sister to find her preacher to be willing to marry them at the preacher's house at 10 p.m. that night. I don't recommend that. But 10 p.m., he agreed to have it happen. But... John, and you and I know him as J.T. Joyner, wasn't there at 1025. He was supposed to be there at 10 o'clock, and at 1025, the preacher went to bed. At 1030, there was a knock on the door. They opened up the door, and there was a soaking wet, stinking U.S. soldier named J.T. Joyner. 
They got the preacher up, and he went in there, and he married J.T. and Billy Joyner 67 years ago yesterday. There was every obstacle in the world to J.T. Joyner, but he had a goal, a vision, if you will. And he refused to be refused to see his vision come to fruition. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 in the King James Version. We have some folks in our church, by the way, who will be thrilled that I'm reading from the King James Version today. King James Version says, Proverbs 29, 18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. The word vision there in Hebrew means a prophetic revelation, that is, a word from God. Where there is no word from God that is communicated, embraced, and applied, the people perish. And so a prophetic revelation or a word from God is a, is a God-given vision to God's people. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Most of you know that my family and I came to this church officially on September the 1st, 2000. So this month, we've been here nine years. I want you to know that for every day that we have been here, I have thought about two questions with regard to this church. Two questions. Question number one, what do we need to do today to ensure that Palmetto Baptist Church will exist 50 years from now? And then a second question, what do we need to do today to ensure that Palmetto Baptist Church doesn't just survive, but it thrives 50 years from today? I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not exaggerating, I've asked that question to myself about this church every day that I've been here. It assumes that I want this church to be here 50 years from now. And not only that, it assumes that I want her to be thriving 50 years from now. That is, of course, if the Lord doesn't come first. If the Lord comes first, I don't want us to be here. We'll be thriving somewhere else. But in the event He doesn't come, I want this church family to still be in existence 50 years from now and to be thriving. In fact, some of the children that you saw in that video, if, if this happens 50 years from now, and we do what we need to do now to ensure this happens, 50 years from now, some of those kids will be the leaders of this church. And their kids and grandkids will be leading on Wednesday night in the student worship and leading in the, student, the children's worship as they rally before Sunday school. But we have to do the right things today. Now, as I think about what we need to do to ensure that our church is thriving 50 years from now, I, I have to look at four other questions, at least four other questions. And I'd like to share those with you. First of all, what are declining churches doing that we need to avoid? Identify churches that are declining, that are failing, that are on a respirator. Find out what are they doing, and we don't want to do what they're doing. Second question, nationwide, in all the United States, what are growing churches doing that we can also do? We're not going to be able to do everything they do, but what, can, what are they doing that we can apply to our situation? Question number three, locally, what are growing churches doing that we can 
emulate, we can do here at our church to help us grow? And then fourth, very important question, what is our church willing to do? I will tell you that the answers to questions one, two, and three are pretty irrelevant if the answer to question four is not much. But I do believe looking at you and knowing what you have been through over the past several years and knowing the decisions you've made, I believe that you are willing to do what is necessary. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't stay. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be up here saying the things that I'm about to say to you this morning. Well, what are declining churches doing that we want to avoid? I'll tell you mainly, uh, you, you can sum it up in one single statement. Are you ready for this? Declining churches refuse to change. You see, churches have to continually be reinventing ourselves and recreating ourselves. It doesn't mean that we throw away essential principles, but we'd better be constantly evaluating and reevaluating the methods that we use to reach people and help people and, and figure out ways to make them better. But declining churches say, we're not changing anything. Somebody said that babies are the only things in Baptist churches that really enjoy being changed. Twenty miles up the road, there is a building where there used to be a church. In 1982, this church, 20 years, 20 miles north of here, had over 2,100 members, and they were averaging over 1,200 in Sunday school. That's pretty good. I've never been a member of a church that had over 2,100 members and was averaging over 1,200 in Sunday school. They were doing quite well. In fact, this church was doing so well that if there were ever any statewide Baptist conferences to be held, they'd be held in this church. It was the first Baptist church in a certain city. 1982, they were thriving. They had done all the right things. And then somewhere in the mid-80s, they made this decision. I don't think they voted on it in conference or in a business meeting. I don't think you'll find it written in their records. But, but here, here's the decision that they made. We want to stay right where we are, and we don't want to change anything that we're doing right now, forever. And that's the policy they held. And so between 1982 and 1992, they lost 300 members. In the years after 1992, they lost hundreds more. In 2002, I picked up the phone and I looked up in the phone directory for this church. I found their, their, the church name, First Baptist Church, and the city name. And I called them. And I got an answering machine, an operator that said, boop, boop, boop. The number you have dialed is no longer in service. Please check your number and dial again. For more information, call your operator. So I called the Associational Missionary. I said, I'm trying to get in touch with First Baptist Church. And they said, well, they don't have a phone. I said, they don't have a phone. I said, well, this is the church up in this city. And they said, yeah, but they no longer meet in that building. They're, they have that building up for sale, and they're meeting in a women's club building. I said, well, that women's club building must be some major league kind of building. He said, well, not really. I said, what do you mean? 
I said, how many folks go there? I said, they used to have 1,200 or more going there to Sunday school. He says, oh, those days are long gone. I said, what do you mean? He says, they're running about 30. 30? I said, you're not talking about the same church that in 1982 had 2,100 men. Yep, same church. They had over 1,200 Sunday school. Yep, same church. How many did you say? 30. Really? That was 2002. In 20 years' time, they lost 2,100 members. The next year after I called, I found out that they did sell their building and they finally relocated down here to Madras. They took the money from the sale of their big building and they built a little building. It's a nice building, a pretty building. Down out from Madras School, a little place. It's called New Park. New Park. And they ran about, they carried 35 people down there. And then they decided we need to merge. And so they got Harvest Baptist Church and New Park Baptist Church and they, they merged them. Now it's Harvest Park Baptist Church and they run about 75, I'm told. How can a church of 2100 drop down to 30 to 70? Watch this. Where there is no vision. Ten miles north of here, there's a church. They're doing great, or at least they say they are. They're running about 300. They're out of a pastor, been out of a pastor for about a year and a half. But I, I understand that they may be close to bringing in a new pastor, and that'll be great. It'll, it'll, it'll inject some energy, I'm sure. But they've been this close before. They've had two other, two other uh, gone through the process and had two other pastors that they had decided on, brought them down, had them preach, had them look at the church. And when they saw the church and saw the vision and saw the area around the church they backed out but they're doing great 300 members I asked somebody recently how are y'all doing we're doing great we're, we're, we're holding steady around 300 but I know a former staff member of that church and I asked him recently I said let me ask you something I said I said before you left how's the church going he said, well, he said, let me tell you this, Jimmy. He said, I have uh, three children. Uh, right, the, the last year before we, we left, uh, my youngest one was in cradle roll. My next to youngest one was in preschool. And he said, Jimmy, they were the only two in their respective departments in that Sunday school program. You want to take a guess what the future holds? You know why it's in that position? Where there is no vision. There's a church about seven minutes from here. Used to run about 90 to 100. Now that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but let me tell you that the average church size in America is 90 to 100. It's not mega, and it's not many. It's medium, 90 to 100. That's the average church size in America. And this church... Uh, 10, 15 years ago, it was running 90 to 100. And some folks injected some new ideas, not to throw away the old, but in addition to the old, some new methodologies, and they tried them. But, but somewhere along the way, the folks who were pretty much in control said, we're not doing that, and they slammed the door shut on those things that needed to be done to reach new families. Some people left. Pastor left. New pastor came in. The church then had another church to merge in with them. I was there recently. 
It was on a, I think, a Thursday morning. I looked at their Sunday school board. You know churches used to have Sunday school boards? You remember that back in the good old days? And the Sunday school board they had used to be, like most churches, right here, hanging on the sanctuary wall. But it wasn't on the wall, it was in the hall. And you had to look for it, and it had 30. 30 there. It's a great church, some of the greatest people you'll ever meet. Why is it that they're in that condition where there is no vision? There's a church three minutes from here if you have traffic in Palmetto. Fifteen years ago, they had a new sanctuary to seat about 600, and they were averaging a solid 450 in worship. At a time when Palmetto Baptist Church was going somewhere around 120 to 150, they, they were having, at that time, more than we average right now. We average right now somewhere between 380 and 410 depending on what Sunday it is in the year and what shift is here. I saw one of their bulletins last November. And the Sunday before Thanksgiving, they had 150 in worship. Someone told me a month ago that they had one of their recent bulletins and it had 120 in worship. 450, 15 years ago, 120 today. How does that happen to a church where there is no vision? Recently, I Googled that first church I talked about, the one that had 2,100 members years ago. I Googled them. Now, I know they're not there. I know the church is not there, but I thought, what the heck? I'm going to Google it and see if I can get some more history of the church. So I put in it, First Baptist Church, College Park, Georgia. And do you know, the first website that came up was a weather website. It was hamweather.com. And you know what the link, the heading link was? The forecast for First Baptist Church, College Park, Georgia. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't click on that. I know what the forecast is for First Baptist Church College Park, Georgia. It's not there anymore. But I'll tell you what a very good question is and one that you and I are addressing right now. What's the forecast for Palmetto Baptist Church, Palmetto, Georgia? Do we have a vision? A vision that embraces necessary change and that will ensure that long after you and I are gone and our children are adults, some of them senior adults, this church family will still not only be surviving, but even thriving in this area. Where there is a vision. Now, I want you to know that in looking at growing churches nationwide and locally, there are a lot of trends that you can observe, but I've observed in particular two trends that are that are impactful upon what you and I are doing. Here's trend number one. I want you to get this. The fastest growing churches in America have contemporary worship services. Now, 
I'm not saying that's good, bad, indifferent. I'm simply stating the fact. The fastest growing churches in America have contemporary worship services. Now, there's a second trend, though, that's very different. There is a growing trend. It's a secondary trend, not as big as the first trend, but there is a secondary trend in which young families who are either returning to church or they've been in church for a while and they're just making adjustments in their lives, they are returning to traditional worship services. If you don't believe it, stick around at 1115. And the majority of our 1115 congregation will be senior adults. But I will tell you that peppered throughout the congregation are young families with children who have deliberately chosen traditional worship because it's what they know about worshiping God. So you have these two trends going on nationwide and locally. And what I believe we have done, the decisions that you and I have made over the past few years, we have positioned our church, I think, to be best suited to uh, allow both of those trends to benefit our church. We have, we have uh, uh, excellence in contemporary worship. We have excellence in traditional worship. And we're trying to minister to people in a variety of ways, trying to provide avenues through which people can connect with, the, with God and with people to, co- to grow in their relationship with God and with people and to serve. We have the components in place to ensure our viability. Do we have a vision? We do have a vision. Let me tell you two parts of that vision. This is, and, and a lot of churches could tell you this. It's a matter of whether they really do this or not. Two parts of our vision. Number one, we, our vision is to bring as many people to Jesus Christ as we possibly can. By the way, we're not doing a great job at that here lately. But our vision is to bring as many people to Christ as we can and to reach as many people for Palmetto Baptist Church as we can. Now, to accomplish this vision... We need more space. We're out of worship space. We're out of Sunday school space. We're out of parking space. We're out of recreation space. And so we need more space. Back in 2002, our church uh, voted to relocate. It was was a struggle. It was a, a hurtful, painful decision. At first, the church says, we don't want to relocate. Let's see if we can find adjacent property. And they instructed our trustees, go find adjacent property. And there was nothing available with exception to one little piece of property right back here. Three quarters of an acre. And so we approached them. Would you like to sell it? Sure would. How much? $350,000. Come again? How much land? 75 acres? No, 0.75. Three quarters of one acre. $350,000. They ended up selling it for $175,000, but... And that was the only thing available. And so finally the church came back and said, well, if you can't find anything adjacent, find something that's not adjacent. And after about a year, our trustees found 19 acres one mile down the road. It was covered up in junk. Do you remember that? It was covered up in junk. I had one lady come to me. She said, I don't like that property. I said, why? It's on a main highway. I said, it's in a great location. I said, it's one mile south of where we are. I said, it's still Palmetto. And I said, yet it's still in, it's, it's in Coweta County. She said, it's full of junk. I said, yeah, but it's kind of like you and me. (laughs) Roll back that junk, baby, and there's a pretty piece of property out there. She later came to me and she said, you know what? That's exactly right. This was after we cleaned it up. Took us a while to clean it up. 
And we developed a master site plan. You see it up there. You see those four buildings, that big sanctuary in the front? That's what everybody wants to build first. You know why we're not going to build that first? Because if we built that, you wouldn't give to anything else up there. Probably. Plus, that one building will not, the only thing it'll do is allow us to worship. We wouldn't have Sunday school or anything else in it. But you have that building, and then there's a little wing to the left top. That's music and administration. Who needs offices? We're not building those now. Phase one is what's in that white square. It includes a worship life center back there in the back. That thing includes a place for worship. It's also a basketball court for our upward basketball. But it's a nice basketball court so that traditional worship is nice there. Contemporary worship is nice there. Upward basketball is nice there. It has uh, education space. It has food pantry space. It has some office space. It has uh, a walking track. It has a youth worship space on the second floor to accommodate about 150 people. It has a fellowship hall. It has a full commercial kitchen that makes the one we've got now, which is not bad as it is, but makes it look like grandma's kitchen on the other side of somewhere. That's that back building. And then this wing right up here to the front right, that's our two-story children's wing. And the architect has told us that we haven't bid for contractors yet. It's not time to do that yet. We're about maybe a month away from that. But the architect has estimated that right now at today's prices, phase one inside that white square will cost us $6.1 million. Let me tell you what happened back on October the 16th, 2005. October the 16th, 2005, we had our first celebration Sunday under a tent out there under, on the new property. If you were there, raise your hand. We had 475 people there. We made commitments, financial commitments over a three-year. We, we had a goal of $1.4 million. I told somebody, I said, we hit $1.4 million. I'll be shouting. Well, we didn't hit 1.4 million. We hit 2.5 million that day. I thought the tent was going to raise off of its anchors and shoot up into the sky. Where there is a vision. What are the possibilities? Let me show you something. All the possibilities. Give me another slide there, gentlemen. There you are. You see that top figure up there, 2.4 million? We actually raised more than that in the first campaign, but let's just round it down to 2.4 million. Are you with me? You see the top figure? If you are, raise your hand. You see it? The next figure, 1.7 million. Now, that's possible sale of this facility. Now, let me stop just for a minute and say, I have no idea what we're going to get for this facility. We initially had it on the market for 2.8 million. Our commercial real estate professional who only sells churches nationwide said, well, you need to have it set at about $2.2 million. It'll take a year and a half, two years to sell it, and you'll probably sell it for around $1.8, $1.9 million. So I don't know. My number up there is a guess, and I think it's a low guess. $1.7 million. Let's just say hypothetically that we get $1.7 million for this facility. Then, if in this next campaign we raise $2 million, With 2.4 from the first one, 1.7 from the sale of this facility, and 2 million from the next campaign, we'd have $6.1 million. Ladies and gentlemen, we would not have to borrow one single dime. 
unless it was a three-year note to pay it off with the campaign proceeds. Do you realize how within reach we are? Hello? Where there is a vision. Four weeks from today, October the 25th, we will be on the property for our second Celebration Sunday, kicking off a new campaign. Now, I want you to listen to the rest of this. Don't check out. I want to ask you to do three things. Three things. Are you ready? Are you ready? Number one, by that day, I want to ask you to commit to being a tithing attender of this church. You know what tithing is? A lot of folks don't because we don't use tithing every day on the dinner table. In fact, we avoid that word like the plague. Tithing means that I take my gross income and the first 10% of that I give straight to the Lord through the church. 10%, that's a tithe. Now, many of you already know that. Some of you don't know that. Some of you know it, but you don't follow it. Some of you don't know it, and therefore you don't follow it. I know that's true. I'm asking you, number one, by October the 25th, to commit to being a tithing attender of this church. One-tenth of your gross income. Off the top. It's what the Lord tells us to do. Our church, like most churches, is in a big budget crunch because of the economy. Some people are going to say, well... Y'all made your budget too big. Let me tell you what we did. We don't have enough givers giving a tithe. That's the first thing I want to ask you to do. Now I'm asking you to do number two. Are you ready? The first one is be a tithing member. Number two, when you come on October the 25th, I want to ask you to make a three-year financial commitment to this campaign. Over and above the tithe. You say, well, preacher, all I can do is a tithe if I can do that. Why don't I give my tithe to the building campaign? Listen, if, you, if you're in a situation where you have to choose between tithing to the general budget or, tithing to the, or giving your tithe to the building campaign, listen, give it to the general budget. Please. But if you can, and this does fit the majority of us, if you can, on October the 25th, make a three-year commitment that is over and above your tithe. For three years. It's not a one, it's not a, we're not asking you to bring the whole amount right there on October the 25th. We're asking you to give it over a three-year period. Think about what you can do over three years, ladies and gentlemen. You understand number two? Make a three-year financial commitment. Number three. Of that commitment, of that three-year commitment, if you can, if you can, we're asking you to bring the first fruit of that in either cash, check, stock, a truck. If you can. Some folks can't. Many folks can't. You say, what do you mean first fruits? Well, let's say, let's say for instance, let's say that, that I decide I'm going to commit over three years $25,000 to this campaign. And on, on Celebration Sunday, I'll, I'll sign a commitment card for $25,000 over a three-year period. Now, by the way, we're not going to send bills. We're not going to send the IRS after you. We're not, you know, some, some people will make commitments, and they won't be able to follow through with them. That happened in the first campaign. Did anybody have anybody come to see you? No. We're not going to do that. But let's say I commit $25,000 over a three-year period, 
and I bring that commitment card in at Celebration Sunday. And then of that $25,000, I bring a check for $5,000 or $1,000 as the first installment or the first fruits of that total three-year commitment. Three things. Be a tither. Make a three-year financial commitment. And if you can, bring the first fruits. What is the forecast for Palmetto Baptist Church? You're the weatherman. You will determine what it is. You remember Helen Keller? Blind? She made a great statement. She said, the most pathetic thing in this world is a person who has sight but no vision. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't take but a few minutes to take a tour of churches that have had sight but no vision. Do you have a vision for this church? Fifty years from now, the people who live here will know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've given us vision. You've shown us what you want us to do. You've promised us that you would empower us and provide for us to make that vision come to fruition. Now it's our turn, Lord. Lord, we, we need to make, first of all, a commitment to receive you as our Savior and Lord. For those who don't know you, who haven't received you, they need to come and receive you as Savior. For those of us who have been in a relationship with you, Lord, we need to make a commitment of our lives. And Lord, one of the best symbols for where we are with you in our relationship, one of the best symbols that indicate that is, is what we do with our money. Lord, help us to be a tithing church and a praying church. And help us to trust you enough to commit over and above our tithe for three years to make this campaign a success. And Lord, I pray that, that you would enable folks those who can, I pray that you would enable them and motivate them to bring the first fruits of that on October 25th. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now is moving in our hearts to make great things happen here. In Jesus' name, amen.